0: Good morning! Oh, there's the polite Canadians that I know and love. Well, can we give it up for for Austin? He crushed it. We love it when people get to use their talents in new ways on the Dream Team. Uh, If you don't know, the Dream Team is our serving team. That's like the language we use there Because they make the dream happen. Some of you may be wondering, where's Daniel? He's actually right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted to make a quick plug and say that I'm so grateful that Connect is about the team and the people that make up Connect and not just about one guy and that Daniel has the humility or whatever. I don't know. I don't want to get his ego too big to so step back for a Sunday and go, man, I want the, the team to have some of this. Now, uh, show of hands who got some cotton candy. Yeah? I could tell because all of your mouths are, are blue. <laughs> oh, there's some right there. Good. So halfway through, uh, when you start to like, kind of doze off, you're like, man, Josh's been talking for a long time. Just take some of that cotton candy, get a little boost, and it'll get you through to the end. Uh, now, we're talking about too busy not to. Last week, Daniel talked all about Too Busy Not to Pray. If you missed it, I highly recommend you go listen to it on our website. It's a great podcast, a great listen. And you know how when you hear a lot about something, your mind kind of gets stuck on that? Maybe that's just me. I have a one-track mind. And Daniel talked about freedom a whole lot last week. And then we talk about freedom session, and all of a sudden, freedom is on my mind a whole lot. And I started to notice it pop up over and over and over again in my life. And it was kind of weird at first because it was like popping up in ways that I never expected to see. Uh, I was listening to a guy named Chance the Rapper. Anyone ever heard of him? Yeah, many fans I can see. And Chance was talking all about how he was so proud to be free from record labels. He was an independent artist and he celebrated that. And I started to notice over and over and over again this idea of freedom and independence show up in our life. And I think, I think I've, I've stumbled upon something that I think we all know, is that we as a culture, we're obsessed with freedom. Like seriously, like, we can't get enough of it. We're obsessed with freedom. We love independence. We see this everywhere we look. I grew up in a household where my dad ran his own company. Uh, he had a, a brand agency. Uh, and to be honest, those early years were really tough. Uh, they, they were not easy. But for my dad, it was worth it because he loved the freedom that it gave him. To, to own his own business, and I don't, want to throw any, I don't want to throw any shade, but it seems like every week there's a new independent consultant uh, popping up on my Facebook page. Have you guys noticed that? Yeah, it's true. We we're obsessed with freedom. We love it. This is true in the arts as well, right? We, I talked about Chance the Rapper, Macklemore. He won a Grammy for best rap album. He's independent. He loves it. They celebrate it. We look at him and we go, wow, look at what he accomplished all on his own, we have whole festivals to celebrate, indie movies, right? Has, has anyone actually ever been to an indie movie festival? No? See, I want to go so bad, but I don't know how, and I need somebody to show me. Like, I guess I'm just not in that scene enough. Uh, beyond that, like, I mean, even in the video game world, has anyone ever heard of this little itty-bitty indie game called Minecraft? Yeah, absolutely. It's like the third best-selling game of all time, and one guy made it. Seriously, one guy. And when Microsoft bought it, the whole world kind of went, ugh. I can't believe Microsoft bought it. Like somehow the innocence and the purity of what Minecraft used to represent was gone because Microsoft owned it now. He sold out. Because we're obsessed with freedom. We have a day to celebrate the fact that we're free from the Brits. Yeah, if we were in America, everyone would be like, yeah, And then some people would shoot some guns in the air. But unfortunately, we're in Canada. <laughs> And we have a whole day to celebrate that, Canada Day. And I don't want to make it seem like for a moment that I don't love freedom. I do. I love freedom so much. Um, Here at Connect, we love freedom. In fact, the way we do Connect groups is something called the free market system. Maybe you don't know this, but if you have an activity that you already do with people you can make it into a connect group, and we want you to have that freedom. And then we're not going to tell you where to go or which connect group to join. We want you to have the freedom of a bunch of different choices of all different kinds. And so we're we're pretty into freedom as well. But there's a little bit of a problem that arises with this because the church has a bit of a branding problem, right? When you ask somebody, hey, why don't you come to church? Um, You're going to get a lot of different answers, but a lot of them are going to fall into kind of the same vein of, you know, uh, I like the spirituality thing. Like, God's cool, but I'm not really into organized religion. I'm not super into this whole, like, following the rules. And they see the Bible as just some old book with a bunch of rules. It's boring. it's, It's exhausting to read. It's so thick. It's, like, gigantic. And then, like, the more spiritual you are, your Bible somehow gets thicker, Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And so the church has a branding problem because the church is seen as the opposite of freedom. Now, I don't think that this is true. I think that this just comes down to a branding problem. And the fact that throughout history, there have been some churches who have been the opposite of freedom. They've said, in order to come here, you have to look like this. You have to dress like this. You have to talk like this. You can only listen to music. You definitely can't listen to Chance the Rapper. (laughs) And we kind of end up in this place where we're fighting this this brand issue. But the thing is, is when you look at Scripture and you look at the Bible, you don't find a book that's old and boring. Uh, It may be old, sure, but it's written by real people, writing to other real people, and it's alive and breathing. And the more you look, the more you realize that the Bible is kind of obsessed with freedom as well. It talks about it all over the place. And there are some people that specifically, like, wildly obsessed with freedom. One of these guys' names is Paul. Paul was a first century church planter. He was the OG church planter. Say it with me OG church planter. For those of you who are over 30, OG means original gangster. Um, <laughs> So he was the OG church planner. He was the first one doing it. And what he would do is he'd go all across Greece. He would start a church, make sure they were going good, and then he would go somewhere else and start a new church. And then he would write letters to the old churches that he had started um, to make sure that everything was on track. And Paul loved freedom. He talks about it all the time. And one of these particular letters that he wrote was to a church in a Greek city called Galatia. Now, the people that live there were called Galatians, so we call the letter the letter to the Galatians, or just Galatians for short. And Paul spends this entire letter just talking about freedom, the whole thing, front to back, about how great freedom is. And I wish we could, we could read it all right now, but unfortunately, my attention span can't handle that. Just can't do it. And so I want to kind of pick up when the, the pedal hits the metal, um, so to speak, when Paul really gets to the heart of the issue. So we're going to start in chapter 5 Talking about freedom. Now, luckily for us, Paul starts off chapter 5 by summarizing the first four chapters. Super convenient that way. So we're going to pick up in verse 1. Paul says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now, that's the summary of the first four chapters. Christ has set you free. Now, I wish I could sit here and explain to you how and why that is. But basically, I'll give you the cliff notes, the spark notes. Basically, what happened was uh, we couldn't save ourselves no matter how hard we worked. So God sent Christ, and he lived the perfect life, died on the cross, and then we got to rely on his perfect work instead of trying to rely on our imperfect work. Now, if you are so, so lost at the moment, you're going, Joshua, that was so much, I feel like I don't understand a single word you just said. Ask the person who invited you, or ask somebody wearing a name tag, or maybe read the first four chapters of Galatians. They're pretty good. And Paul unwraps all of that, but he kind of he has something that he wants to talk about. There's an elephant in the room that he wants to get to, so he keeps going. He says, now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now. What had happened was uh, some guys had showed up to this young church in Galatia, a young church a lot like us, you know, maybe in the first couple years, and they said, hey, it's really great that Christ has made you free and all that stuff, but that's not quite good enough. You see, you also have to follow the entire Jewish law. Now, the Jewish law, if you're unfamiliar, um, was not just like a general suggestion to like be a nice person. It was pretty intense. There was like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules, and so... This really creates a lot of problem, and so Paul goes to address this directly. He hits it head on, and so he starts off by saying, listen up, numbskulls. He didn't say that last part, but I think he should. (laughs) I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Now let's address the elephant in the room here for a second. I have now said that word two more times than I wish to have said it today. But I think there's actually a good reason that Paul uses the word circumcision here to describe the law. Because he's, he's using the two interchangeably. Because I, I want to I paint a picture for you. So imagine we're a young church. Some guys show up and they come up to me and say, Joshua, it's really great what you've been doing. It's awesome that you have faith. But you also have to follow the law. I'd probably go, okay, so what's the law? They'd be like, okay, don't murder anyone. They'd be like, cool, check. Haven't murdered anyone. <laughs> We're good. And then they'd be like, oh yeah, and uh, you can't eat any pork. Uh, yeah, that's a deal breaker for some people. Uh, not a huge deal for me, uh, but you know, uh, cheeseburgers taste good without bacon on them still. Right, can I get an amen? <laughs> oh my gosh, I feel like I just totally lost the crowd. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, and I go, okay, okay, I, I can do without the pork. I, I can survive. Maybe you guys can't. Didn't realize this was so serious. But uh, He goes, okay, uh, third off, you can't boil a goat in its mother's milk. Well, okay. Um, didn't know that was an issue. Uh, wasn't planning on doing that, so we're good. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, and lastly, just one little thing. You need to be circumcised. I'm sorry. I, you skimmed over that last part there. I could guarantee you that that would be... I would forget everything else that they had set up at that point, And anything that they were about to say, that would be the only thing on my mind. All the men in the room would just kind of cross their legs and go, oh, shoot, we're not going to take this guy seriously, are we? Like, that's terrifying. That's in the front of your mind. That's vivid. And so Paul uses that word because that's such a vivid way of describing the law to these people. It makes it real for them. It's practical. It's tangible. But then he says, you know, even if you could accomplish that, you're also going to have to perfectly follow the law. And the problem is, is that Jesus said, uh, I may have never murdered anyone, but I did hate that guy in the white Volkswagen on Deerfoot that cut me off the other day. Volkswagens are always the ones doing it, I think. I'm convinced. That and Beamers. Uh, and because I've hated, Jesus said I've, I've like murdered in my heart, basically. I've murdered that person, and so none of us are capable of being perfect, and that's the real problem. So Paul keeps going, and he keeps unpacking this idea. He says, for when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, oh, I totally skipped that, Uh, for if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by being perfect, now it actually says the law there, but I've replaced it because I think it fits better. With God by being perfect, you have been cut off from Christ. Now, this is some clever wordplay, you guys notice it? Say yes if you see it. One person sees it and it's the pastor. <laughs> He's talking all about circumcision. He says, you know, if you're going to be circumcised, you're actually going to cut yourself off from Christ. Yeah, ugh. Right? That's some clever wordplay. These are real people. I can, like, I, I, I can see the, the congregation in Galatia reacting to that and going, oh, man, he actually has a point. He, there's another one of these little, like, I don't know, it's a pun reference, I don't know what it is, but something literary, uh, that it happens later. So I want to see if you guys catch it before I do. I'm going to point it out, but see if you catch it first. Um, you have fallen away from God's grace, uh, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly await to receive faith from the righteousness God has promised us. He keeps going. For when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, there's no benefit in working hard and trying to be perfect. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Wow. Yeah. Now, I read that for the first time, and I went, whoa, that's profound. I don't know what that means, but it's profound. Right? Faith expressing itself in love. That could be on a fortune cookie. And I would take it out and go, wow, that's really, that's really deep. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate that. I, I'm going to express my faith through love. I don't know really what that means, And I think if each of us were to come up with a solution, we would all come up with something a little bit different. Now, luckily for us, Paul actually gets more practical than this. He takes this really great, you know, Confucius saying, it's a Paul saying, but, you know, you get it. And he unpacks it. But the problem is is that Paul is a real guy. And he kind of gets distracted for a couple verses. So we're going to come back to this in a couple verses, but we're going to get distracted with Paul first. Because I think uh, Paul has some, some weight on his chest. Uh, that he wants to get off. And so he gets distracted, and he says, you guys were running so well. Everything was fine when I left. Who has led you, uh, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. It would be ridiculous for somebody to call you to freedom and then be like, oh, yeah, but there's also a little bit of slavery. Like, we would all be like, whoa, that's not what I signed up for. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I've known nothing about making dough. I'll take Paul's word for it. Paul keeps going on his little tirade. He says, I am trusting the Lord will keep you from believing false teachings. I think every mother has said this to her middle school kid. I am trusting that the Lord will keep you from those false teachings of those upperclassmen. God will judge that person. My mom actually said that. Uh, Whoever he is who has been confusing you, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would cut themselves off from you. We need some aloe for that sick burn. Man, you guys see it? Did you see it this time? Say yes. 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 They want to mutilate you by circumcision, but instead they need to cut themselves off from you. That's so clever. I I often love these little things because you get to see the humanity of Paul coming out here. I can like I can picture in my mind like some teenager being in like the back of the congregation or whatever in Galatia going, oh I can't believe he went there. Like oh shoot, like this is crazy. Like this is, these are real people that he's writing to. Now Paul has kind of gotten this weight off of his chest now, and he kind of comes back to this idea of faith expressing itself in love. And he gets more practical, which is good for us because, I don't know about you guys, but I need simple and practical. I I need to get down to business. So he says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. He gets practical, he gets down and dirty. And you see, Paul's actually doing some, some, pretty, uh, some pretty intelligent stuff here. You see, he's referencing something that Jesus said. Um, there were some guys that approached Jesus one day, and they were trying to kind of trick him into making a faux pas. And they asked him, what's the best law of all of the laws? Jesus. And it's kind of like asking a parent, hey, which kid's your favorite? There's no right answer. Every parent's going to go, I love them all the same. No, you don't. Um, So Jesus responds and tells these people, the whole law can be summed up in love God and love others. That's the whole law, summed up. And so Paul kind of references that and goes, Hey, you guys are trying so hard to fulfill every letter of the law, to do every little thing, but the issue is in circumcision. Remember, Jesus said that the whole law can be summed up in love God and love others. And he highlights specifically love your neighbor as yourself, serve one another. And I think we can wrap up everything that Paul is saying here in in one little concise sentence. That service is an expression of freedom, not a pursuit of perfection. This is important because I think a lot of us show up to church and we go, oh man, they're just going to tell me to work really hard and then I'll be okay with God. I'm here to tell you no matter how hard you work, you're never going to move forward. Seriously, like, I would love it if you would show up every day for the rest of your life and serve Connect. That would be amazing. But if you're trusting that to give you a relationship with God or to get you into heaven, you're going to be disappointed. Because you need to serve from freedom, not for freedom. Now, I want to give you an insight into the creative process. I didn't think of that until 1030 last night. So that's why it's not a slide. It would be, I would have 10 slides that say you serve from freedom, not for freedom. It would be bold. It would be underlined. So I'm just going to say it so many times because I couldn't get it onto the slides in time. Because I had already submitted my slides when I thought of this. We serve from freedom, not for freedom. And that totally changes your mindset. That changes the way you deal with things, the way you go at things. Because you're no longer trying to prove anything. You're no longer trying to be perfect. You're expressing your freedom. You're taking what Christ has given you, you're turning around, and like a cup that's overflowing, you're giving back what's being poured into you. We serve from freedom, not for freedom. Can you say that with me? I recognize that that was probably my fault. Repeat after me. Serve from freedom, not for freedom. Okay, we'll work on it. Now... If any of you guys are like me, uh, I am a skeptic by nature. Uh, I get that from my father. I'm taught to question everything. Uh, And so there might be some of you who are standing, or not standing, sitting there, going, Joshua, this sounds like you're just trying to get me to serve at Connect. I see through you. You're kind of right. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) I do. I I think it would be awesome if you served at Connect, but not for the reasons that I think you're assuming I want you to serve for. This kind of brings us to our next big point. Don't serve for me, serve for you. I think that you can get more out of serving than you could ever give me or connect or any church. I think that serving should be something that's gonna lift you up, that's gonna encourage you, that's gonna make life different for you, better for you, way more than you could ever affect me. Let's be honest, I'm not gonna get paid commission based on how many people decide to serve this week honestly like and and i i've kind of waffled on whether to say this um like look around service is happening and you may have not served this morning like i we don't like like don't serve for us i don't want to say we don't need you we want you desperately but you know like serve for you So I've kind of thought through some practical, down-to-earth reasons why I think that you can get more out of serving than anything you could ever give me. The first is that when you serve, you don't just go to a church, you have a home at Connect. And I say Connect here, um, it's more important to me that you serve at a church than you serve at Connect. So if you show up here today and you're like, man, Joshua, I resonate with everything you're saying, Uh, Connect isn't really for me. You know, I'm disappointed. I think Connect's pretty cool. But at the same time, I want to help you find a life-giving church where you can get plugged in and make a difference. That's more important to me than you showing up here at Connect. So I'm going to say Connect because that's where I have a home. uh, But know that, you know, that's how I'm using it. Uh, If you show up, you go to Connect. But when you serve, you have a home at Connect. I call Connect my church. Not because I own it. Not CEO or anything, but the middle schooler that serves in the kids' ministry, it's their church too. And in a way, um, what makes up Connect are the people who serve that pour into it. In a sense, there are what, 80 people or so on the Dream Team? 83. That makes the math harder. Um, In a sense, I'm 183rd of Connect. The person that's serving beside me, they're 183rd of connect. Daniel is 183rd of connect. If, when you serve, you become part of connect. You look at the person that's standing on each side of you and you just say, hey, we're in this together. We make connect home. When I show up, I go, man, I'm not just showing up to a movie theater that happens to have a church meet in it. I'm showing up to home. I'm showing up to my family members that are on each side of me serving, working, pouring into what this is. And this segues really well into the next thing, that serving in a church gives you an opportunity to love people and connect with them. You may have noticed that I've spoken specifically about serving in a church. Um, I think nonprofits are awesome. I think charities are fantastic. I actually, I tutored middle schoolers for like most of high school and college. Um, And a lot of them were smarter than me. So, I certainly value serving in that sort of capacity. In fact, we have connect groups most semesters that have a service element as part of it. But there's something special about serving at a church because you don't just get to make a difference in somebody's life, you also get to connect with the community. So, I'll be honest, I love seeing all of your faces. I really do. I'm a people person through and through. If you've had a single ounce of a conversation with me, you know that's true. But the people that I look forward to seeing the most on Sunday morning are the people that I'm going to be serving beside of, because they have invested in the same thing with me. They're pouring into it like purely from a logical standpoint. I spend time with them consistently on a regular basis, and when you're setting up kids mats, it's really easy to talk about your week. And they go, "Hey, you know what, what's new? Like, what did we talk about?" And they genuinely care about me, and. Serving in a church gives us the opportunity to love people and connect with them. And I think that and connect with them is something that is so unique and special about serving in a church. Now, these next two points, um, I've kind of divided them in my mind. The first one is for those of you who skew um, upwards and wiser, I'll call it, uh, than me. And then uh, the second one is for those of us who are kids. Now, this certainly... uh, can apply to everyone, but this is how I've how I've categorized it in my mind, okay? Following me? Yeah? yeah? Not your head? Cool. First thing, this is for the parents. Do you want your kids to have a servant's heart one day? You need to set the example today. We all we all have kids and we go, oh man, I really want them to like grow up and like be a contribution to society. And let's let's address the elephant in the room. I don't have kids. I thank God every day. I'm not kidding, uh, and, but that having been said, one of my favorite sights during teardown is there is a dad who often helps in teardown, and you'll see him walking down the hallway with his arms full of something, and running behind him trying to keep up is his son, uh, who's I don't know, like four or five, and he's got like a pole or something, he's like, I'm helping, and like, you know, let's be honest, the, the contribution he's making is pretty small, But what's more important than what he's helping is what he's learning. He's learning from his dad how to serve, how to make a difference, what's important in life. And then something that's even more amazing than that is when all of a sudden a middle schooler has watched their parents serve. And they've gone, hey, uh, I think I kind of want to serve. Can I serve somewhere? That's amazing, guys. Have you met a middle schooler? They're incapable of thinking of anything other than themselves. And for them to go, man, I want to serve. I want to give back. I want to make a difference in people's lives. That can only be accomplished when they see that life change in someone else's life. And, you know, I wanted to be just like my dad as a kid. I still do. And when I saw my dad serving, I wanted to to serve like my dad. That was something I wanted really, really bad. So those of you, for ones with kids now, I want to talk specifically to those of us who are under 30. Now, if you're over 30, you can listen too. But I want to speak specifically to we millennials, and then uh, if you're younger than me, you're considered Generation Z, or Z, um, depending on where you're from. So I will probably use both. Uh, So when you serve, I want to serve because life is too short to not make a difference. I, and no offense, I don't want to wait till I'm old to make a difference. You know, like, it's really easy for me to go, man, school is crazy right now. I'm young. I, you know, I just, I've got better things to do when I'm old I'm boring. I have kids. Then I'll serve. I don't want to wait until I'm old and boring to serve. I want to make a difference now. We millennials, we talk a big talk. Gen Zers are even worse about this. We want to change the world. Right? Can, can I get a head nod from anyone that's a millennial? We want to change the world. And do you know how you change the world? You change people's lives. And you can never make a difference in somebody's life unless you're serving. And so life is too short to make a difference. I don't want to be morbid or anything. Like I don't even want to suggest like what if something were to happen to me and I had lived my life thinking, well, I'll serve somewhere down the line. I'm talking, I don't want to have to wait until I'm old. I want to make a difference today. I want to make a difference right now. Now, we can kind of sum all of this up a couple different ways. Um, but this, this next slide, it's actually my last slide, and um, it sums up pretty much everything we've been talking about. And I believe this with 100% of my heart. And this is a bold claim. I know that. I recognize that. I'm okay with it. I want to back it up. You will never know what purpose is until you're making a difference in someone else's life. I would bet money that the most fulfilled, the most purpose-filled people here this morning are the people that are doing two things. Serving on the dream team and attending a connect group. Those two things I think are life-changing in people's lives. It's fantastic that you show up to Sunday service. Seriously, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. I think that this is where God has you right now. But to find life change, to find purpose, you need to make a difference and you need to discover freedom. You need to be part of the dream team and get connected to a connected group because that's where life growth happens. That's where you learn to serve because you will never know what purpose is until you're making a difference in someone else's life. Um, I was kind of processing through that this week uh, and I thought back to when I was in 10th grade. Um, so imagine me, the same height with a terrible bowl cut. Uh that was me in 10th grade. Um, I was very blessed to be raised in a Christian home. Uh, both of my parents are Christian. Uh, their parents are Christians, so my grandparents have uh, all been godly men and women that I've been very blessed to be raised around. Um, my grandfather specifically uh, lived in New Brunswick his whole life. Uh, he worked on telephone poles, which I realize now is like a thing of the past, I guess. Um, but he worked on telephone poles. Uh, my grandfather was an amazing man. His name was Gerald. Uh, I called him Grampy. Uh, that, Nanny and Grampy were my grandparents. And uh, as amazing as my grandfather was, he was an average guy. He wasn't a celebrity. He wasn't a politician. Uh, he, he, didn't even, like, he didn't even work for a church or anything. Like He was just an average, everyday guy. Um, and when I was in 10th grade, my grandfather uh, gave up his fight with leukemia. Um, At the time, we lived in North Carolina, uh, and my grandfather obviously still lived in New Brunswick, so we, you know, pack up the family, fly to New Brunswick, and because I'm the eldest grandkid, I got put on the receiving line. Now, there's a bit of a problem with this. Uh, I didn't know anyone. Like, this is a little town in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick, and the only people I knew in the whole city were standing in the receiving line with me. Right? It's weird. And People, person after person after person came through, and you can go ahead. And um, and it was amazing to talk to all these people that knew my grampy. And you know, some of the people went, yeah, you know, uh, we we grew up together. Like, right, this is a, this is a small town in Moncton. Like, that's that's normal, right? Um, but people came through that said, yeah, I, I worked on I worked on the polls with your. Here, different kind of poll, uh, telephone poll with your grandfather. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm I'm never going to be able to come back to that. Um, and all these people came through, and you know, one person came through, ten people came through, twenty people came through, a hundred people came through, several thousand people showed up to my grandfather's reception, and again. I love my grandfather more than anything, but he was a normal dude. And you know the thing that I heard consistently from person after person after person after person after person after person, after person when I asked, How did you know my grandfather? How did you know Gerald? They would say, you know, I, I served with Gerald, actually, you know, I, I drove buggies with him in the church parking lot. Or I held doors open with your your grandpa. Or I was an usher with your grandpa. And sometimes the stories were from a different perspective of, oh, well, I saw your grandpa every single week at church. He always made me feel welcome. He always chatted with me. My grandfather could be friends with a rock. He was such a friendly dude. And I started to see that people's lives had been changed because of my grampy. And not because he ever stood on stage. I don't think he had ever stepped on stage in that church a day in his life. And yet, thousands of people came through whose lives had been changed because of my grampy. That day, we filled the entire sanctuary and an entire gymnasium downstairs of people whose lives had been changed by my grampy serving. And you know, at that time, as a 10th grader, the only thing I wanted out of life was to be a leader that's all i wanted and it really frustrated me because in youth group the only people the only students that were allowed on stage were the musicians and then the youth pastor preached and what was really frustrating about that was i saw the people on stage as the leaders and i can't sing or play any instruments i tried it was bad And I desperately wanted to be a leader. And that day that I saw that without ever stepping a foot on stage, without ever holding a mic in his hand, my grampy was a leader because he served. My grampy understood what his purpose was because he was making a difference in people's lives. I went home and... For the first time in my life, I saw leadership different. That leadership was something that you could get by getting your elbows greasy and working hard and serving one another and changing people's lives. Today, I hope that you can discover purpose and make a difference in somebody else's life. I know that my grampy understood it. I try desperately every day to be more like him. And... Uh, you know, Austin's going to come up in a second. and He's going to talk all about uh, next steps and making a difference. I want to tell you, today is step three. Uh, it's the last step. If you've missed step one and two, uh, it's totally okay. Just say, Joshua sent me here. <laughs> he said I can come. <laughs> and you see, step three is really, really amazing uh, and really convenient for today. I didn't, I didn't plan this. Uh, I'll say that, that this was God's plan is that today is practically when you get to see all the places that you can make a difference at Connect. And you can can sign up to make a difference in somebody else's life. And you can become part of Connect. That you don't have to just go to Connect, but you can find a home at Connect today. Because we serve from freedom, not for freedom. We serve because of what Christ has done for us.